Amen. Well, thank you for letting us come and be with you all today and appreciate the hospitality and the nice place to stay last night. Appreciate that. Pastor McMurtry inviting us to come, and that was a real blessing that he would do that. And I want you to take your Bibles and go with them with me to Ephesians 5 if you're not already still there. And we'll be looking at that passage. Uh, yesterday morning, uh, they said that our plane was going to be late. And if you live in Rap- Rapid City, South Dakota area, that's a real problem because you always have to have a connection uh, when you're flying out of Rapid. And so we knew that that means we're going to get into Dallas late. And so I said, well, what can we do? And they said, well, uh, if you miss your plane from Dallas to uh, Chicago, you can go from Dallas to, uh, what did they say, Dallas to, um, I think it was Newark. And you can stay overnight in the airport in Newark. And then at 7.30 in the morning, you can land in Chicago. And so I thought, oh, man, well, we were going to do it. We were willing to do it. But praise the Lord, somehow their plane was so late their six o'clock plane was so late that it flew out on time when our plane was supposed to fly out and so we caught that plane and still got here on time so praise the lord for that and so we got a good night's sleep in that nice hotel that you put us in we appreciate that but i want to speak of course on the subject of home and uh, this morning it'll be more on marriage and tonight it'll be more about children and uh, parenting but uh, this morning i want to look at with with you at ephesians chapter 5 again in verse 21 submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of god wives submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the lord for the husband is the head of the wife even as christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body therefore as the church is subject unto christ so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Let's pray and we'll get started this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to open the Bible, to preach from it and to read from it, and to hopefully uh, be a blessing and to teach uh, and to make a difference in the folks here today that are here listening. And I pray that you just uh, work in my heart, my mind, as I speak to these folks today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one, wives submit. Now, I know this is already not sounding very good to some of you ladies in here. But we're just going to go in order of the Bible. So we're going to start out, wives submit. All right. Now, uh, the preacher said it in Sunday school already that over in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, there's actually an order. The, The husband is the head of the wife, but Christ is to be the head of the husband. And so submission is not just for wives. In fact, verse 21 says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. So there's there's an order here. And all of us play a part and play a role. Let me say this over and over again. Uh, If you've ever coached soccer or if you've ever been involved with little kids soccer, you've heard this said, play your position, play your position. And uh, the problem in soccer is, is that everywhere the ball goes, that's where every kid goes. All right. Nobody's playing their position. And the coach is screaming at all the kids for being out of position. You know what happens in most homes? The same thing. Most of us, we just don't play our position. We, if you're a wife, you know exactly what your husband's supposed to be doing. All right? And if you're a husband, you all know everything wrong that your wife's not doing. All right? The problem is, is that we're not playing our own position. We're not just doing what God gave us to do and to concentrate on what God's given us to do. You know, we're not necessarily going to give an account for somebody else, but we will give an account for ourselves. And so we need to recognize what God would have us to do and play our part. And you know what? It's the honorable, blessed attitude. The Bible says, God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace to the humble. I don't believe for one minute that you have to be the best spanker, the most disciplined disciplinarian, the most educated, but I do believe that you must have the grace of God. 
Psalm 127 says in verse 1, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. It's God that builds the house. It's not you and I. If someone says to me, Wow, we really like your family. The credit goes to God. All right? It's the grace of God. But submission is something for every one of us. In fact, submission is how we get saved. Um, It says in Romans chapter number 10, they being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of Christ. Submission needs to be in church. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, Obey them that have the rule over you, have spoken unto you the word of God. There needs to be submission in church. Churches cannot function well and, and do what God would have them to do without submission. In our community, there is a necessary need. There is a need for us to be submissive to our authority in our community. I know things in our little town about our deputies. It's a small town. But if they were to pull me over, they're in charge at that moment. If I'm speeding and I'm disobeying the law, they are the authority and I need to submit to them, even if I happen to know dirt on them. In our small town, that's the, that can be the case. But in our communities, in church and community, at work, <clears throat> uh, unless you have a perfect boss, you don't need to submit at work. Is that true? Of course not. And so if they're the authority, we, we have to recognize the importance. And, and the Bible talks about servants. And, of course, <clears throat> we would say employees today. But it's the same idea here, our, our, our workplace. And then, obviously, our home. And so verse 21, it says in Ephesians 5, 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And then it goes on to say, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Unto your own husbands. And that means to be under the power and control of, yielding to the power and control of your husband, allowing him to have the authority and to obey what he's given you as a wife and as the family to do. Uh, I just want to say submission is a revelation of the heart. When, when you uh, have a bad heart, it comes out in a lack of submission. Uh, it comes out in a lack of submission to uh, the authority in your life. Uh, I think the preacher would agree with me that right now, probably the biggest problem we have all over the place is just a lack of submission to authority in general. It's interesting in America, we have worse and worse authority. We have more lousy, if I can say it that way, authority than ever before. Because we, as a people, will not submit to our godly authority. And so I do believe that it's a pattern you see in the Old Testament with Israel, whereas they would not submit to God's authority. God gave them even worse kings in worse authority in their life. And when, when you are a blessing to God, he's a blessing to you. And so if you want to cheat yourself, just keep, just keep being disrespectful to your authority. Just keep, just keep not playing your position like you should. If you want to cheat yourself, just go ahead and just act like your authority doesn't need to be listened to. Don't, don't follow that advice. I'm just telling you that that's what happens when you do. And so how you respond or react to something that your husband does that you disagree with will reveal your heart. doesn't mean you like it. doesn't mean you agree with it. But you recognize that, you know what, and, and my wife will, will use this on me, and it's, it's pretty scary. She'll say, well, you're the boss. <laughs> Boy, that'll make you think twice. Well, it's all going to be on you then. This is your choice. I'm just going along because I have no choice. Somebody said this. I have an evangelist friend who preaches on the family a lot, and he said, 
your pastor or your husband has the right to be stupid. He doesn't have the right to be immoral, illegal, unbiblical, or unethical. But he does have the right to be stupid. (laughs) And every one of us guys, if we're not too proud, we'll admit we're not always real smart in the stuff we do. We don't always buy the best things and make the best decisions with our money and our time. We, We have to be honest and admit that. And ladies, you can be a blessing to your home and your marriage, though, if you'll recognize that God will take care of him for that. You You just submit and do what God would have you to do. You have a responsibility to yield to God's authority in your life. And no matter who you are in here, wife or not, you have a responsibility to yield to the authority in your life. We'll talk about children tonight, so we'll talk about that more later as far as authority, but... Uh, here's a formula for submission. We obey constituted authority in everything they ask us to do until they ask us to do something that breaks conscience with a higher authority. And so it's just our duty to obey our authority and recognize that God will take care of the authority and His issues uh, if you'll just obey and do what you'd have to do. See, we complicate the problem, ladies, when you decide the guy doesn't deserve to be obeyed, so you're not, now you're disobeying who? You're disobeying God. All right. And so when you decide that you're going to just not obey your husband because of whatever it might be, now you have a problem with God. Understand that you're not honoring your savior when you do that. Also, it says here, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband. Verse 22, as unto the Lord. Now, this might not be easy to swallow, but as if he is the Lord. (laughs) But that's what it's saying. As if he is the Lord's authority in your life. Just about ten days ago, I did something very hard. I took my daughter's hand and placed it into another man's hand. Man, that is lousy. (laughs) Because for 22 and a half years, I was her man. For 22 and a half years, I was her authority. And I enjoyed it. And she was, she was a good daughter. In fact, I stood up a week ago Friday at the wedding and I said, my daughter has never given me any trouble in her entire life till right now. <laughs> because I was her man. I was the man in her life. I was her authority. But you know, I had to release my authority and step back from being the man in her life and allow someone else to be her authority. Listen, she can't call me up now and complain about the guy she's got. She can't call me up. Now, I can be an advisor, but I'm no longer the authority. I'm no longer over her. She has a man over her now, another man, uh, scumbag. No, and she has another guy over her. And, And... I'll talk about this more tonight, but that's God's always designed for a woman to have a man in her life. From her father to her husband. And I, I'll just stop and say that a, a lot of our issues go back from the ladies not having a good relationship with their father. And having a, a disrespect for her, her fatherly authority. And having a, a lousy relationship with dad. And so then it carries over to the marriage. And that is not God's plan. And so this becomes a vicious cycle that has to be broken. 
And so we recognize, if you are a godly young lady, you recognize that your father is the representative of God's authority in your life. And then one day when you are married, that husband is the representative of God's authority in your life. Girls foolishly and rebelliously get married out so they can get out from under their dad's authority only to find out they've got a new one. And they weren't wise in what they were doing. As unto the Lord. Now, with your finger there in Ephesians, go with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Whose adorning, let it not be the outward adorning of plating of the hair, wearing of gold, uh, of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. It's interesting here. Uh, you've heard of lifestyle evangelism. <clears throat> but you know, in, in this passage right here, there is a little bit of that. Where you've got a man who may not be a believer, may not, may not be saved. And, the, and uh, the, the, the wife unwisely says, well, since he's not saved, then I'm just not going to, I'll just quit. I'll just not live. I'll, I don't have to live what God wants me to do since he's not saved. After all, he's worse than I am. Listen, you're making a huge mistake if that's you. If you have a father or a husband <clears throat> that is not uh, saved, <clears throat> the best thing you can do is to practice some lifestyle evangelism. In other words, you live the Bible in front of them. They might be the only Bible. You might be the only Bible they're going to read. And the Bible's saying, they without the word may be won by the conversation of the wives. I want to encourage you, ladies, that you never give up and that you never give in and you never use uh, the situation, the circumstances you're in as an excuse to, to not obey your authority, which is ultimately Christ. And so understand the importance, ladies, that your spirit can be powerful. I, I'm going to say it this way, that your spirit and your conduct and your conversation be as, be as powerful as the Word of God. Because you are literally living and following what the Word of God is saying. You know, if my wife argues with me, I like that. Because I can do that. <laughs> come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. But if my wife just goes in and prays and doesn't, you know, argue and doesn't, you know, give it back to me like I'm giving it to her, oh, I can't, I can't fight that. I can't, I can't deal with that. All I can do is admit I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah. As unto the Lord. Uh, Titus chapter number 2. Titus chapter 2 and verse number 4. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. That the word of God be not blasphemed. I do believe 
that sometimes ladies can be a terrible testimony to their husband, a terrible testimony to their children. And then notice also, back in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 24, it says, Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let their wives be to their own husbands in everything. In everything. In every area of your life, just subject and allowing Him to be in charge and asking... I love I love my wife. I love I appreciate so much about her. Uh, what a blessing it is! And, and if you don't know her story, she was raised Amish until she was about ten years old, twelve years old. And uh, uh, you've heard this. I'm sure you've heard this said that you never, for your wife, you never buy her for her birthday or anniversary or something. You never buy her something that plugs in. You know, like an appliance. You know, a microwave or a wash machine. Or, you know. Uh, that's that's pretty tacky to buy, you know, a vacuum, iron. You never buy you never buy your wife something that. Pl- Listen, when you're married to an ex Amish, they love things that plug in. <laughs> I mean, it's like wow, you know. But seriously, I I'm thrilled to be married to someone who 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 is very simplistic, and uh, grew up very simple. Uh, for Christmas, they would get uh, their own box. Of cereal, that was their Christmas gift. They didn't have to share it with anybody in the family. They had ten kids. They didn't have to share the cereal with any of the other kids. They got their own box. You say, "Oh, that's silly." Listen, that's true, but I'll tell you what I like about that. She's pretty simplistic in her needs. She's not high maintenance. Okay, and I I love that. I appreciate that about her. She's a blessing to me. But you know, ladies, there are, there are some men that are just so swamped trying to keep you happy, they can't possibly serve God like they're supposed to. There, there's, there's some men out there that are so swamped just trying to keep buying the next toy. And, the, and, and maybe it's because daddy spoiled those girls before you got married to her. But listen, I want to I encourage you with something. To trust God. The preacher was hitting on it in Sunday school this morning. I really think the problem we have in homes today is that we forgot what it's all for. Somehow we think it's all about us. It's all about our happiness and what makes me happy. And, and, and instead of two people that get, come together in a white dress and a black suit and stand before God with a desire to serve God, you've got two people that are coming together thinking that each one is going to make them more happy. And you find out after the honeymoon that that's not always the case by itself. I'm sure you've seen the illustration, but when that man and that woman realizes that it's about serving God, and the closer you get to God as a spouse, and the closer that they get to God as a spouse, you actually get closer to each other by you getting closer to God. And in everything, trusting Him. My father... uh, my father was a businessman. He, he became a pastor later on. But when he, uh, when he got saved, I was just born. And uh, he was on his way to be climbing the, business, the success ladder of the business world. Uh, he worked in uh, the John Hancock building. Uh, worked for Weston Hotels. And uh, I remember swimming in the pool. At the, I think it was the Sheraton Hotel next door. Swimming on the top of the roof of the, of the building there. And he'd look down and see us. And we, we lived pretty posh. And he'd ride around limousines in Chicago and transfer to Dallas and different places. And that was his lifestyle. That was going to be his life. He married a lady, my mom, 
who uh, was raised as a doctor's daughter. She, her father, my grandfather, was a physical therapist and hobnobbed with doctors. And you know, she lived her life on the country club, golfing and playing tennis. And my father was called to preach out of that at, uh, in Schaumburg, Illinois, at Bethel Baptist Church years ago. And uh, the Lord called him into ministry. And my father said to my mom, I, I believe God would have us to leave this life, this business world of success in the eyes of the world. His goal was to be a millionaire and to become a pastor or to go into ministry. And eventually, through a series of events, we ended up where he was a pastor. But along the way, things had to change. No more new cars and no more big houses. And we went, I remember we went from a nice home to living in a townhouse, which is connected to somebody else's house, and listening to the neighbors in, in their drunken brawl and smacking around and the walls banging around. I remember we had to leave our, our refrigerator and our stove behind because it went with the house that we sold, and we didn't have a new one. I was shocked. In fact, I was shocked when the Beacons guys didn't come in to pack all of our stuff for us. And my dad pulled up in this yellow truck called Ryder and said, we got to do it ourselves. And I remember living out of a Coleman cooler instead of a refrigerator and a microwave instead of an oven. And I remember one particular morning, my dad was headed off to Bible college and my mom was crying. <laughs> because her life had changed. Now, she agreed to it, but it was harder than she even knew it was going to be. And that's the way it is sometimes. I think every godly person goes through something like that or some things like that because God maybe wants to just see how much you're willing to count the cost and whether or not you're willing to sacrifice. You see, if it was easy, everybody would do it. And uh, I like what one preacher said concerning wives submitting to their husbands. It's kind of like riding on the back of a motorcycle. Now, some of you guys are saying, oh, that's fun. No, no, no. Riding on the back of someone who's driving the motorcycle. Now, I'm not a biker, and I don't even like to ride motorcycles at all, because I just don't. But there's probably some people in here who do. But I'll tell you one thing. You ain't going to ever see me on the back of somebody else who's hanging onto the handlebars. You know Why? Because that person, and, and out, out in South Dakota, we have Sturgis Bike Rally, and we call them the, bike, the biker babes. They ride on the back. And they are completely helpless. All they can do is hang on. And one preacher likened that to what it's like being a wife. Because you're not, you're not in charge. You're not hanging on to the handlebars. You don't have the throttle. You're just on the back for the ride. And uh, he might start going faster than you want him to go. Well, what can you do? You can scream. You can cry. Probably after a while you start praying. Praying for him. Get closer to him. Maybe squeeze his, you know, pinch him or something. Talk to him, whisper in his ear. But you'd be foolish to reach up over his shoulder and try to take control. Now, let me say that again. You'd be foolish as a wife to reach up over and try to take control. I think it's a good illustration. 
And I'll tell you, if I know that my wife is scared half to death and she's crying and she's praying, my respect for her is to slow down and say, I need to listen to what she's saying. But ladies, that's what it's like, isn't it? It can be like that. Now, that's the wives. Let's talk about the husbands. It says here in Ephesians 5, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. So number one, wives submit. Number two, husbands love. Now our example is Christ. Even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. I really do believe that there'd be no excuse for divorce if we'd follow that. Because does Christ love unlovely people? People who've cheated on Him and done terrible things to Him and and disobeyed God in their own lives and yet He still loves us and forgives us? Do we teach that there is not eternal security? Or do we believe that Christ loved the church with eternal security? And so I do believe that there is no excuse then for divorce if we would recognize that we're to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. But what if she runs off with some other guy? Well, according to my Bible, Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Peter cursed and swore and said he didn't know Christ, but Christ still loved Peter and forgave him. I'm thinking of a friend of mine named Brett. Brett's wife is not saved. Brett's wife has gone off and done other things with other men. remember one time I was driving into uh, Rapid City, South Dakota, and I saw Brett, and I was pulling up alongside, and I, saw, I noticed Brett was talking. I thought he was talking to himself. I thought, what's wrong with Brett? And he's just talking. And, he kind of, and, and then I got alongside. I looked down, and I saw just the, the top of a little blonde-haired kid. And I realized he was talking to a kid. And he's talking to him. And then I realized something else. I knew who that kid was. You know who that kid was? That kid was the son of his wife from another man that she was with. And that boy had no father in his life. That was not a good situation. But biologically, he was not Brett's child. But Brett was taken and fishing. I mention Brett because I think Brett is honoring God with his life. And he is honoring his marriage vows and saying, I'm going to love my wife even though she's lousy. I'm going to, be, I'm going to honor God and honor her and honor my vows. Wow. I don't know that that's the end of the story for Brett. I think maybe there's still a future story ahead for him. But husbands love as Christ loved the church. See, the problem is, though, is we get into this marriage things for ourselves. It's funny how that is. We get into marriage thinking, now now I'm going to be happy. But but when I got married so many years ago, 
<clears throat> I, I was selfish. I'll just be honest. I, I, I was selfish. I, was, I got married. I, I'm, I'm not saying I wasn't at all right with the Lord, but I had a lot of selfishness in my life. And I just figured the honeymoon's just going to be the way it is every day of our life. You know? And, and, and probably most people are that way. We're just selfish. We just think self-centeredly. And so, you know, I, I get up in the morning and I'm thinking, bacon and eggs. And she's thinking, get your own, dude. She's thinking, oatmeal and cream of wheat. You know? And, and especially after we had a child. And then another child. Where's the bacon and eggs? <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> you know? And, and recognizing how selfish that I could be. But Christ isn't like that. Christ saw us when we were in the miry clay. Ezekiel 16 paints a picture of how he found his bride just, just in a mess and took her and washed her and cared for her. The Bible says in 1 John 4:19, we love him because he first loved us. And men, there's no excuse for us because we've been given a great example of what love is. So the Bible teaches us some things about loving and how to love our wives. And over in 1 Peter chapter number 3, it says, and I read all the way to verse 6. Now let's read verse 7, 1 Peter 3, 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. So love her with knowledge. Love her knowledgeably. Seek to understand her needs and her weaknesses and her faults. We, we, we ought to know our wives. It ought, to, it ought to be something that we get to know and understand her and, and, and what she needs. Um, man, I tell you what, I like air conditioning. I like it cool. My wife likes it warm. Remember one time in the middle of the night, I kept turning, turning down the, the electric blanket that we had. And the more I turned it down, the hotter it got. <laughs> Found out the next morning we had the control switched. And uh, we, we were, I was, freezing, you know, I, was, I was freezing her and she was heating me up. But, you know, last night she said, it's cold in here. Oh, you'll be fine. <laughs> as soon as I left the room next morning, she had the, she had the, I went down to the breakfast this morning. She had the heat on. I thought, oh, that's too, I, I should have. I should have realized she, she really wanted it warmed up in here. Uh, dwell with them according to knowledge. Understand them. And giving honor unto her as unto the weaker vessel. You know, when it says weaker vessel, it doesn't mean dumber vessel. It doesn't mean less valuable vessel. You know, we don't have many of these in our home, but they call them vases. They're spelled like vase, but it's supposed to be vase. And a vase usually is, is behind glass on a shelf, out of reach of little children. And, and why, why is it not allowed to be touched and handled? Why? It's, because it's fragile, and yet it's very valuable. And ladies aren't necessarily as strong in some ways, but that doesn't mean they're not valuable. And so giving honor unto her as unto the weaker vessel. Love her knowledgeably in three areas. Her physical needs, but also her emotional needs. The things that she has emotionally that she needs. She desires security. I'll give you just this list of things here. Um, she, she wants love and affection. 
You've heard of the old boy that told his wife that he loved her when they got married. And she said 20 years later, you have never told me you love me since the day we were married. Well, I told you I loved you the day we got married. Anything changes, I'll let you know. She needs to hear it over and over again. She needs to be told she's loved all the time. She, she wants communication. She's been talking to little rugrats all day. She'd like to talk to someone of adult size. She's a responder. She wants tenderness and intimacy, a hug and a kiss, and just a reminder that she's thought of. And she loves to be a priority. Not necessarily number one. God should be number one. But next to my walk with God should be my wife. Not my job. Not my pickup. Not anything else. Not my children. But my wife. See, one day the children are going to be gone, but she's still going to be there. And two become one. One flesh. You're not going to possibly be the right kind of husband you should be unless you're walking with God. By the way, let me just say, concerning the home, our example is God. He's the best father you can find. And he, as this passage is saying, is the best husband you can find. And so we should follow his example. How should we be a husband to our wife? As Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Her physical needs, her emotional needs, her spiritual needs. She needs to know that you walk with God. She needs to know that you're right with God. My wife needs to know that I'm walking with God. There's a lot of pressures and problems and tragedies and things that come in our life. And what my wife has to know is, is that I'm talking to God about it. And I'm listening to God about it. And that I've been walking with God. And that she know, if she knows that I'm walking with God and that I'm right with God, I think it just calms her down. I think she's okay with whatever's going on as long as she knows that I am listening to my Heavenly Father. So love her knowledgeably. Love her sacrificially. Philippians chapter 2. Quickly, I need to go quicker. I don't want to be here too long. But Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in, the, in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, to seek to please her, to seek to serve her rather than be served. Jesus said it. Did he not say that the greatest among you is the servant? Yet how many of us would admit that probably the servant of the home is the wife? I heard one preacher say if there's, if there's eight slices of pizza and there's, and there's nine of us in the home, I'll tell you which one of us will probably go without. It'll be the wife. You know, I don't think that's leading sacrificially. I think we have to lead sacrificially. Our Savior, who is our husband, as in the illustration in Ephesians, he led sacrificially. That's what makes Jesus different than all the other religions. He did the sacrificing for us. And he leads sacrificially. And so if we're going to be the right kind of husband and father, we have to lead in the sacrifice. Lead sacrificially. The Bible says Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, Romans chapter 5, Christ died for us, dying to self, giving up some of those 
toys and ambitions and desires for the sake of what we know God would have us to do for our wives and our family. And according to knowledge is when you love even after you've been familiar. The preacher was saying this morning about being nicer to strangers than you are to the people you know. I think it's because familiarity breeds contempt. But you know the word familiar has the word family in it? And yes, we're familiar with, and that, and there is, we know each other's character flaws, and we know each other, but you know what? It still says Christ died for us, even though He knew us. And He loved us anyway. You know, Jesus knew me before I ever knew Him, and He died for me anyway. Romans 15.1 says, We that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. I know this is a real issue around here, so I'll go ahead and bring it up on purpose. My wife likes pineapple on her pizza. You all are feeling my pain. All right. I'll order half of one with pineapple on it. I'll I'll order the whole thing with pineapple on it. Now that's real sacrifice there, man. That's, now, now we're really getting down to it. Love her knowledgeably. Love her sacrificially. My wife just loves it when I want to buy another gun. Oh, she just gets excited. <laughs> I can because I'm the man. I'm the leader. But sometimes being the leader is not getting what you want. Love her knowledgeably, love her sacrificially, love her faithfully. It says in Colossians 3, love your husbands, love your wives, and be not bitter against them. At all times, constantly, constantly, consistently, and for all time, loyally. Again, can you think of a time when Christ wasn't being faithful to you? And consistent? Love her knowledgeably, love her sacrificially, love her faithfully, love her wisely. It says there back in Ephesians 5, let me read it here in verse 28. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. Not just a doting love, but a love with purpose, personal care. You ought to know her, and this is a shame to me, I'm doing better, but I ought to know her as well as I know my own body. I ought to know what makes her tick and what she needs and what she would want and what would help her. As we were raising children I would see the kids just being a real stress. And she'd gotten in such a habit, she wasn't even realizing what they were doing to her and how they were manipulating her. And I said, hold it. You don't, you don't need to be doing that for them. They can handle it themselves. Or I'll help you if necessary. And sometimes my wife would become worn out Because people were taking advantage of her. Our own children, maybe me, other people. And loving her wisely is recognizing, hey, 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 I can't let her get run down. Because if she gets run down, 
we're one. Now I'm getting run down. See, my wife's, ask Job, you got a wife with a bad attitude, it can be hard on you. And the last thing I need is for a wife that's worn out. Love her wisely. So, man, I tell you, we, we worked at giving the kids chores to do and, and, and helping her and not letting her become run, run herself ragged. And loving her wisely is guiding her to be that Proverbs 31 woman. To be what God would have her to be in Proverbs chapter 31. All the things that talks about the virtuous woman. And, and wisely paying attention to her needs and also the influences. Her attitude. And maybe having to ask her about, about maybe an attitude towards something or someone. And the attitude. Let me give you three A's. Attitude is one of them. Another one is associations. Not often, but there have been times when I've said to my wife, I just don't like the influence that lady has on you. That girlfriend. I just, there's just something about it. It just, I don't, I just think you'd, I'd rather you didn't be around that person all the time. Now, I'm not talking about a guy. I'm talking about a girl, a lady. You say, well, who are you to tell your wife whose girlfriend she, hey, I'm the husband. And maybe she can't see it or understand it, but there's just something there. It's just not right. Guiding her to a Proverbs 31 woman in, what, in wisdom and attitude and associations and activities. I always tease. Everybody knows I'm joking. Whenever my wife comes in late to something, you know, and she's not late. She's not expected to be there. But if we're doing something at church and she comes in late, I always say, oh, yeah, her soap opera just got done. That's why she's here. And everybody knows that I'm joking. <clears throat> but husbands, what kind of activities are your wife, is your wife involved in? What, what influences and books? I, I do think it's a bad idea for your daughter to read romance novels and get this painted picture in their head of what marriage and love is. Because one day reality is going to hit hard. And Romeo will never quite be as wonderful as the guy in the book or on the movie. The movies are the same. Make sure you're leading your, your children to understand that's just the movie and, there's, and make fun of the stupid parts. But their activities. Love her wisely in her attitude. I mean, what, I, I'm thankful. I don't have... I, there's hardly... A, Three or four times I can think of where my wife had a bad attitude. Usually it was me. But, but I might have to say, hey, I know you're wore out. I know you're tired. We just had a wedding. We had, after the wedding, a whole bunch of people at the house. And then my son told another friend, hey, you come over. And I think my wife's like, mm. Mm. But I think she was gracious. I didn't have to. Tell her she had a bad attitude. Attitude, associations, activities. I think there are times when you might, as a husband, have to say, you know, I'm not saying this is a sin. I just don't think it's a good activity. I don't, just don't think it's something you need to get yourself involved in. It's just kind of a waste of your time. I think these things are becoming a waste of our time a lot of time. Again, I'm thankful I'm married to an Amish girl. 
don't even know how to operate the social media very well. But listen, someone said everything rises and falls on leadership. And so husbands, Christ is to be your head. And you can do like Adam and point at Eve. But you're really saying, the woman you gave me. And by the way, anybody here have a gun to your head when you got married? You're complaining about your own choice, right? Joshua 24:15, Joshua said, "As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm the son of a man who became a pastor, became a preacher. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord was his motto. And I appreciate my mother submitting to God's authority and her husband's authority. And and I do believe that that God honors people who honor him not immediately not overnight but we're thankful we're blessed my sister's married to a missionary in mexico my daughter just got married to a a preacher a son of a preacher and i hope it just continues to go forward that this generation just continues now uh someone might say well but what about are, are, are you are you do you have any of your relatives leaving the ifb look I never worried about whether or not I was in or out of the IFB. I was just following the BIBLE, right? And I find myself following the BIBLE. I end up being friends with the right kind of people who are also following the book and following the word. The secret to all this is just walking with God. If you'll play your position and you'll play your position, if everybody plays their position, it just works. I mean, children have a position to play too. Husbands, wives, children, they all have a position to play. And we're all going to stand before our Creator one day and give an account of ourselves to the Lord. Just play your position. Just play the role God has for you to play. And, and don't be over-concerned or busybody in other men's matters. You just take care of yourself. If my wife gets all wound up about what I'm not doing as a husband and as a father, she might forget to be the wife she's supposed to be and the mother. Just play your position. Let God be God. And men, I'll say it, there's more responsibility on us than there is on the lady. I don't think that wives will stand up and give an account for the family like a man will. I don't think, I don't think that wives will give an account for the family like the husband will and the father will because he is the head. I think husbands will give an account for their wives and their children. I think pastors will give an account for the families that they pastored. And so there's much more responsibility on the man than on the lady. And ladies, play your position. Men, play your position. Let God be God. Let God be number one. Let just, just make God number one priority and everything else will fall into perfect order as it should be. Let's close in prayer today. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the home. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you've given us a manual to follow. You didn't just invent marriage, but you gave us a book. You gave us a a manual that we can follow, a, a guidebook. You didn't just give us a book. You gave us your Holy Spirit to guide us into truth and to lead us and direct us in the right way. Lord, you gave us a pattern to follow. You, you told us to what kind of spouse we should have, that we shouldn't be unequally yoked with unbelievers, but we should... Uh, seek those who are on the same page and who are walking with you and 
allowing you to guide and direct our path. And that you said that a, a, a wife, a good wife, is from the Lord, a gift from you. Help us to recognize what you've done for us as human beings by this wonderful thing that you invented called marriage and the home and the family. Help us to quit complaining and thinking it's all about us. It's not about us. It's about honoring and glorifying you. Our homes are to point people to you so that others can have a Christian home as well. Lord, help us to remember the priority in all this, that is to honor and glorify you. Lord, I thank you for my parents and their obedience to your word, for my in-laws and their obedience to your word, for my family, my wife and her obedience to your word, my children and hopefully grandchildren. Lord, I thank you for blessing your word, the promises that you've given in your word. Help us to understand it's really not hard. It's very simple. We just have to obey you and follow your word. Help us to get right with you. Help us to not be selfish individuals. If there's men and women here today that are living selfish lives, help them to see that's the problem more than they might realize. Help us to walk with you, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.